We're the ACC Basketball Degenerates, working hard for the people in our families. Welcome to Episode 2 of Season 2. The podcast is brought to you by Three Notched Brewing, named after a colonial era trail running through central Virginia. Three Notched Brewery develops innovative beers around the bold characters that left their mark on American history. Characters like Thomas Jefferson, Jack Jewett, and Patrick Henry. Three Notched Beers can be found at fine grocers everywhere and at their tasting rooms in Charlottesville and Harrisonburg, Virginia. Three Notched Brewing, leave your mark. This is a special guest episode, but afterwards, after we finish our conversation, we are going to give out our personal selections for First Team All-ACC, although I'm not quite sure what our criteria is. We're going to make it up as we go along. And we're also going to preview the marquee games in the first weekend of college basketball, the Honolulu Classic. And then we're going to select the ACC games of note that stand out as far as openers go. So we're going to select about three to four games, and we're going to dive into those. So that's what's in store for the episode. I'm Luke Neer, your host, and to the left of me is Taylor Pilkington, and finishing out the roundtable, Vegas Mike Jaffe. And we're not messing around early on in the year. We're going right back to the well, which has led us into the modern era of basketball thought. We have a special guest back on the program, and I say back because he was with us for an episode last year. Mr. Ken Pomeroy returns to the pod. Subscribe to his site at KenPom.com so you can find his ratings of every team in college basketball. It's already the gold standard for college hoops and analytics. But hey, we thought we'd plug it once more so he can get even more subscribers. We're all subscribed. So without further ado, let's welcome him in. One of 20 confirmed Virginia Tech basketball fans, Mr. Ken Pomeroy. How are you, sir? That's so not true. The legions are growing. (laughs) We're going to get into that later, but... um. You're coming off a banner year, another banner year. We're going to recap a little bit of last season and how you rated out. But what strikes me the most is I remember when you joined us a year back on this podcast, you were either on the brink or you had already had the epiphany of the value of offense. I remember vividly you discussing that with us and how outstanding offense perhaps was at a slightly higher level than lockdown defense because of its ability to dictate. Can you take me through that train of thought there? And did you make any adjustments to your algorithm considering those factors? Yeah, I mean, that was some work I did last summer just uh, kind of looking at various things that um, happen in a basketball game and how much the offense controls them and how much the defense controls them. And, you know, that thought came into my head actually looking at kind of my ratings, looking at the offensive ratings of teams and defensive ratings of teams. And there's every season there's always more spread in the offensive rating of a team than the defensive rating. Um, if you look at the D1 universe as a whole. So, you know, that's kind of an indication that offense tends to be uh, the controlling factor in a game. I mean, obviously it's not one or the other. You don't make a choice. You know, the defense has influence too. But the offense tends to have more influence. Basically a good offense beats a good defense, you know, more often than not. So as far as the ratings go, yeah, I made kind of a, a tweak this year where – I think it's a, a tweak that helps people understand the ratings a little bit better, but it just looks at, instead of using the old Pythagorean winning percentage, which was a decimal point and four numbers after it and kind of a weird scale that, even though it had physical meaning, it was hard to explain. Um, mm-hmm. Now the number is just adjusted efficiency margin, which uh, is the difference between adjusted offense and adjusted defense. And the benefit there is that under the old system, teams with kind of dominant defenses would be rated a little higher. You know, defense would actually be a little bit more important mm. in, the, in the final computation, whereas now um, offense and defense are on uh, a level playing field, so uh, I think it's a little bit more representative of, of how college basketball really works. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people have always said about your ratings is that they, in the past, they've tended to favor defensive teams, it seems. And uh, now you've even said, you wrote in your blog that you think you might even start weighting offense more than 50% of the overall weight going forward. So can we definitively say that good offense, great offense beats great defense in college basketball now? Are we at that point? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but again, it's like kind of a, you know, it's over the long term. So, uh, you know, if a great offense played a great defense 100 times, uh, the great offense would impose its will, you know, 60 times or something like that. So it's not, you know... In any individual game, obviously, uh, it's not necessarily true. And part of that is because shooting is so variable in itself. So even if maybe the defense has an off game, they can still look pretty good if, a, if an offense just isn't getting shots. But, yeah, I think going forward, I mean, I've done a little bit of research kind of looking at tweaking the ratings to give offense um, kind of appropriately a little bit more weight in every game. And um, there were some promising results, but it was, it was hard to kind of, you know, take those results and convert them to a number and figure out how to represent that number. So uh, I'm just kind of like you know holding back from adding that change just yet until I really have kind of another off season to look into it. 
Yeah, let's talk about the long run because you just brought that up. And the way I see it, I think you have a more difficult job than, say, some of the NBA analytics guys because they're working with an 82-game season. You have 30 games, which is a, a much smaller sample size. How have you adjusted to that? And does it help you a little bit more that there's more rest between games in the college game compared to the NBA? And how have you adjusted? Because 30, I, can you consider that the long run? Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can. Uh, I, mean, it's, uh, I appreciate you bringing that up because it's definitely a challenge. I mean, it's not just the fact that you only have 30 games, but you know, in the NBA, I mean, when you look at the difference between the best team and the worst team, you know, I, I guess the Warriors played the Sixers, I guess, last season Sixers, let's say, a seven-game series. You expect the Warriors to win that series very, very often, of course. But, you know, if you get down to, like, say, the fourth-best team in the NBA versus the fourth-worst team, like, you know, on any given night, it's a, it's a relatively even matchup. Um, in college, that's not the case. You know, it's 30 games, but there's also, I mean, every team has probably 10 games on their schedule that just aren't competitive. So, not that you throw those games out, but not quite as useful as, as say an NBA game would be where the matchup's pretty competitive. Uh, but the rest thing, I'll, I'll grant you, I never really thought about that, but that is one advantage in the college game, I guess. You don't have the, the back-to-back, nobody's flying cross-country and, you know, playing, uh, you know, five games in, in eight nights in a different time zone. Um, For sure, yeah. Where obviously rest can impact the results. Um, not, not nearly as big of a deal in college, but it is, I guess, one mitigating factor to, to be thankful for. Yeah. Ken, let me ask you, um, a little bit about home court advantage. You have said that you measure it at an average of just a flat 3.75 points per game for home court advantage in average in college basketball. And you've even said that it's that might be a little higher than it should be on average because home court advantage has been getting less and less effective in recent years. I have always felt that, you know, it's it should be more points, you know, and that Vegas – and in gambling, I tend to think of the home court advantage as almost being sometimes as much as five or six points sometimes. What, what's the difference between your numbers there and, like, my feeling? Yeah, so, you know, how I arrived at that number, I, you know, I went back, and, uh, you know, now with this kind of slightly tweak rating system, I went back and, and re-ran the system on, you know, the past 15 years. And uh, in doing so, you know, I tweaked the home court advantage for various runs and, you know, see which kind of produces the most accurate predictions. And so that's how I end up with that value of 3.75. But uh, as I noted in the blog post, home court advantage, at least in terms of winning percentage for the home team in conference games, I mean, it's been steadily decreasing. Not, you know, not a complete crash in terms of home court winning percentage, but it's just been subtly decreasing year after year um, for the past 15 years. And so the real number is probably a little bit lower since I'm, you know, for this season anyway, since I'm, taking an average of the past 15 seasons, probably overestimating it slightly. But, uh, you know, one thing, too, is that I'm also, you know, looking at the entirety of college basketball. So, uh, obviously, I think it stands the reason that uh, Howard has less of a home court advantage than, than UVA or, or Duke or, you know, other power conference schools. And so, you know, when you're looking at a power conference game, a power conference matchup, 3.75 is probably pretty accurate. It might even be, you know, maybe a, a hair on the low side uh, you know, when you consider the increased home court advantage for the bigger venues and the big crowds. Who in the ACC do you think has the best home court advantage? And I know there's some favorites there, but is there anybody also that you think are like have some sneakily really good home court advantages or people who are surprisingly well, bad? We know the top two. It's I mean, that's a good question, though, the rest of the ACC. I mean, we know the top two, but the rest, uh, what are your thoughts there? Wait, who are the top two? Just before Ken answers, I have to, I have to know first. <laughs> if you're tracking the last five years, Duke and Virginia. Okay, Duke and Virginia. All right. Yeah, and even like Duke's kind of an interesting case because actually I think if you look if you try to like measure their home court advantage it's not as high as its reputation would indicate which could be for a variety of reasons but one of one one theory people have is that you know they actually also have a, a road court advantage like they get called on the road too so how can you measure a home court advantage when they're <laughs> yeah no doubt yeah road, that's, but, that's a good point you're not biased yeah. that's just what the numbers say is that right uh, say that again you're not biased. That's just what the numbers say. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, that's okay. Don't people at the triangle don't listen to this, so it's okay. Just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> legitimate, uh, legitimate theory. Um, uh, uh, so who has a sneaky home court advantage? Jeez, uh, I mean, I think you know, by and large, home court advantage is like I guess it comes down to like who you know who has kind of the most loyal crowd, right? Like and that's hard to say because like, just about everybody, you know, even if Duke, uh, you know, had a had a collapse to the you know like they did during the Picaudette year or whatever, you know, their crowd would be a lot less enthusiastic. They'd still you know, probably fill their gym, but I think every school 
has that issue. You know, Carolina fans are not as enthusiastic as Matt Doherty was coaching them or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, so I don't know if I have a strong opinion on like which fan base is kind of the most loyal because I think that's what it comes down to here. We're talking about who has, you know, the best home court advantage. It's really like, hey, who's this team that can, you know, go eight, you know, go 500 in conference and still sell out their gym and still have fans, you know, customers the rest and things like that. I don't have like a, yeah, good idea for for who that team really is, and that's hard to measure because I mean I've been to the Dean Dome and when I was there it was it was pretty it was a pretty pleasant atmosphere and it was a big Monday game uh, against a top five team and you know the fans that they were you know they were cheering their team on but it wasn't just a raucous crowd. On the other hand, I've seen North Carolina show up to the ACC tournament maybe in in DC like last year and they were out of their minds. So it's a tough one to measure. Anyway, Mike, you got something. Yeah, yeah, hey Ken, how you doing, man? I, we spoke briefly last year. It's just good to have you back on here. I had to get your feedback on one thing. You know, I always love your summer series that you put out on the uh blog, you know, it's my version of Bachelor in Paradise, you know, where I can just kind of sit back in the summer and just enjoy it. Um, this year you you picked foul trouble um, as, as your uh, topic. Um, you know, I know this is hard to do, but uh, could you summarize a little bit uh, about what your findings were and, uh, you know, how they apply to today's game? Yeah, sure. And, I, you know, I feel like I, I let people down a little bit because I, I really wanted to go farther with that, that research and it's, it was just a huge challenge. To, uh, to manage the data, and uh, I don't know that I came up with like you know I was hoping to kind of come up with a, a rubric like uh, you know football has for kind of going for it on fourth down, where you know there's a pretty clear um, body of knowledge out there that uh, coaches are too conservative on fourth down, and it would have been nice to kind of have that for well, right, right, right. almost 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 like a cheat sheet, uh, yeah. John Beeline or whatever that he you know uh, is too conservative about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seemed like, you know, in reading it, it it's almost reads like you should be able to have like a cheat sheet that each coach should be able to look at, say, okay, there's seven minutes left in the first half. Uh, you know, should I bench this guy with two fouls or not? Um, and it seemed like from the day that you were going through that that was, that was harder to do than maybe you anticipated. Yeah, I mean, so what I, mean, what I did end up at least demonstrating was that, you know, there are a lot of moving parts. And uh, the main thing is that, it was pretty clear when players got into foul trouble, they um, played more conservatively on defense. Like you could look at foul rates for players across the country, and you know, once the player picked up his second foul in the first half, his foul rate dropped quite a bit. Which, on the one hand, I mean, you could say it's a good thing. Okay, he's not going to pick up that third foul, so maybe we should play him more. But on the other hand, I think it's pretty clear that uh, there's a defensive cost there. I was never able to quite connect the dots to that point. I mean, that really would have been the, the one thing that. Uh, could have been useful is saying, hey, you know, when a player gets two fouls, he he's on the floor, he costs his defense, you know, four points for 100 possessions or something. Um, mm-hmm. That is, I think, a, a, a number that is attainable, uh, but it takes a lot more a lot more work than uh, I was able to do this summer. But um, but certainly, I think it was useful just to see that for the most part, the way players uh, the way players are treated by their coaches is the way they behave. You know, when when the coach uh, uh, benches a guy with two fouls in the first half. And, you look at when uh, those players actually are allowed to play, they tend to be a lot more conservative defensively. So there is some justification for, for coaches benching players in foul trouble. Yeah, a little self-fulfilling prophecy there, I think, right? If you if you tell me I'm bad at math, I'm going to be bad at math. I think the same thing happens when uh, when coaches uh, you know, play, play their players in a way that restricts their ability to perform. To, um, I think it affects them mentally. And I think two of the coaches that you highlighted were uh, – Bayheim and Bennett, um, you know, from Syracuse and UVA, respectively, and how they treat their players uh, so differently when it comes to fouls. Uh, seemed like Bayheim uh, allowed his guys to have more of a leash, uh, whereas Bennett was strictly on the automatic, uh, sitting with two fouls in the first half. Yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, Tony Bennett, uh, you know, asked, I guess, more from his defense, at least on an individual basis, whereas you know, Bayheim playing the zone. And typically, you know, we should point out behind has a pretty small bench as well. Maybe those things are related, but right, right. Uh, so you know, there's a couple of restraints that uh, sort of uh, kind of force Bayhan's philosophy. But yeah, no question. I mean, you play kind of a more passive uh, defense, you can get away with playing guys in foul trouble a little bit more. And you know, I just want to add something to your self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, no doubt, like that's a factor. But I also think, like, no matter. I mean, you could tell players, hey, go out there. I don't care what your foul count is, like play like you normally play. I mean, I think that would be one solution, but I, mean, I don't think any player, if they have four fouls with like 15 minutes left, 
don't think any yeah. player is just going to go play like they normally play. Like they want to, you know, right, right. They want to stay on the floor. They want to be in there in crunch time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so in doing so, I mean, for that kind of mentality, they're going to be conservative. So I still think there's like there's some combination there: self-fulfillment prophecy, but also players, you know, have some self-preservation instincts as well. Yeah, it's maybe not the best comparison, but it is an ACC comparison, That's so that's why we throw it out there, because those two coaches use different rotation sizes. I mean, Beheim's never going to go above seven. Bennett is comfortable with nine, sometimes ten. All right, we're talking with Ken Pomeroy here on the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast. I'm going to mix it up, Ken. I want to throw something fun at you, um, because that's why we're here in the first place. So last year, when you're you're looking at how the tournament plays out and how the teams are filling out in the brackets – and all the talking heads, you know, they, they have their train of thought. They're set in their ways. They're always going to favor Blue Bloods, despite what the numbers might tell us. Are you sitting back and just smiling? Uh, I don't know, what, whatever TV screen you're watching when Villanova's making their march, because you had them rated very high in your final numbers. Upper echelon team. They go all the way to the title. They win it. What was that experience like for you? Because, I mean, that wasn't a team who was being thrown around by the talking heads, say, on Selection Sunday as, as a contender. Yeah, I mean... From my standpoint, I, just enjoying the tournament. Like I thought, Villanova winning it all was kind of the best possible storyline. I mean, you're right. Like people really They're weren't giving yeah. them credit. They weren't giving the Big East credit really all season. They weren't giving Villanova credit. And you know, early in the season, Villanova gets hammered by Oklahoma. And I think like two weeks later, you know, Villanova was back, you know, ranked ahead of Oklahoma in my ratings. And yeah, you got. I think you got some grief for that too. And then I think you wrote a blog post about. You know the the three point issue that Villanova is having and their ability to turn around uh, long run, um, which which came to yeah, fruition. There were like a number of indicators early that you know even though they were not making three pointers, that eventually that would come around. They never actually I mean, from that point on. I think they shot like high thirties in the threes. It wasn't like they necessarily pulled it up, but they did. You know, get back to where you kind of would have expected. And uh, so I mean, you know, that whole storyline all season was you know kind of counting Villanova out or not really giving them a lot of credit. You know, they're obviously a short team. They didn't play really conventionally, you know, four, four kind of smalls and a big. And then you get to the tournament, and then, you know, they get matched up with Oklahoma in the Final Four, and it's like, well, they lost to them by 20, so I mean, they, can't, they can't win. You know? <laughs> right, right. Oklahoma should be the favorite, and obviously uh, that kind of blew up in a, in a big way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the, the Villanova run thoroughly, not necessarily because, like, they were ranked highly in my system, but because of the kind of narrative that kept coming out that, you know, didn't necessarily completely count them out, but certainly, like, you know, there were plenty of reasons people were giving for for Villanova to, you know, lose before they actually won it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought um, they became the team that they could have been uh, all year there right at the end, and uh, it was it was great to see. That that Oklahoma game was uh, as perfect a game as I saw them play Yeah, dedication, absolutely. So, Ken? I think uh, also, like, a good uh, example of kind of the offense over defense theory. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Oklahoma was a pretty solid defensive team, and uh, when they played in the first time. Villanova couldn't hit a shot, and they played in the second time. Villanova couldn't miss a shot. And there's, you know, when you have four guys on the floor, they can hit three pointers. Um, there's not much a defense can do. I mean, obviously there's some things, but guys are hitting shots that are contested. Uh, you know, you're in for a long night. So, King, right now your preseason rankings have the ACC playing out like this: Duke. UNC, Virginia, Louisville, Syracuse. That's a top five, which is the same as the uh, media poll that the media voted on. Any surprises in there or anything that you, just your gut kind of tells you might change once the season starts to be played out? Or his brain. We, we've got him on for his brain. <laughs> Not <laughs> yeah. his gut. Anyway, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that uh, it does match the, the media poll. It also matches the uh, work that Dan Hanner did over at SI. Um, you know, very similar. Those five teams are kind of you know, a little more bunched up than maybe people realize, and then there's a little bit of a gap before the next group. I mean, the one, I guess, surprise in my ratings, I feel like Clemson at 23 is higher than uh, most people expect. I don't think Clemson got a vote in the eight people, which is kind of weird. I mean, I think there's some reasons to be optimistic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's that... one team I, I feel like uh, maybe I have rated too high, but I also feel like it could uh, surprise some folks. I think NC State is another team that. Uh, you know, could uh, do some damage as well. I mean, obviously Dennis mm-hmm. Smith is going to come in and feel like he should make an impact. And uh, seven Twitter they have Omar Year Seven is uh, a pretty solid player. At least his, you know, the numbers that he's the numbers trail that he's left overseas uh, would indicate that uh, he should be, you know, certainly an impact player in the conference. So uh, ninety-two points or something in Turkey, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would, that would, that would, that would, 
break the model. That would, uh, put a lot of stock in that single performance, but even playing, you know, better competition uh, for his age, you know, he put up some pretty solid numbers that suggest, you know, he'll be one of the better players in the country if he gets on the floor. Well, Ken, I'm in on NC State, and Mike is in on Clemson, so if that, that makes you sleep better at night, um, <laughs> I just want to let you know. Finally, we got to finish with uh, the team you ranked 39th in your ratings, the Virginia Tech Hokies. And I have to start by saying this. Last year, you were on the program, and I, I love admitting when I'm wrong, and I was wrong last year about Virginia Tech, and I was also wrong about Buzz. You said you thought Buzz was around for the long run. You're a long-run guy. I didn't think so, and then I heard some little birds tell me that he was building a house outside of Blacksburg, so... I didn't see him sticking around, but I guess never underestimate a man who has a Mighty Mouse tattoo. Anyway, what do you think about Virginia Tech this year? Uh, can they keep climbing, or do you think they have a plateau? No, I, I expect them to climb. I mean, they couldn't finish in 63rd last year, so, uh, I mean, 39 seems pretty legit, you know. Uh, not really, uh, you know, basically bringing back their entire roster from last year. I mean, there was some small bits of attrition, but, you know, the guys who left, it wasn't like, uh, you know, Jalen Hudson transfers. It wasn't a, you know, an outcry the program, it seemed like, you know, uh, there's going to be a minutes crunch, and when guys leave because there's going to be a minutes crunch, that's uh, not a bad thing at all. So, um, so, yeah, I think onward and upward for the Hokies. I mean, uh, the getting into the tournament is uh, a legitimate um, goal this year, I feel like, uh, which, uh, you know, as a Hokie basketball fan, is pretty good news. Because that's mm. about a once in all day, la day. The few tournament. the proud, the Hokie basketball fans. <laughs> anyway. Few hey, and the proud. Taylor's rooting. Taylor believes this year, don't you? Oh, yeah. You're, you're it on the Hokies. I think they're going to be good. Oh, that's good. a ringing endorsement. That's <laughs> yeah. a ringing endorsement. Anyway, I hope Ken's heart is not coming into that one. I hope we just keep his brain isolated. Anyway, Mr. Pomeroy, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast once again. Can you plug what's happening at your website, how people can subscribe? It's pretty easy, kenpom.com. Hopefully all our listeners are at least um, familiar with the site or are subscribed already. But if not, um, what's new over there? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the plug, fellas, and... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, you go to KenPom.com, and uh, obviously people are familiar with the ratings, but uh, you know, subscription gets you underneath the hood of every team, and you know, player stats, team stats, team predictions, all sorts of stuff, and there'll be little new uh, bells and whistles added uh, this year as well. Because I'm eager to put on anybody's post up just now, but um, yeah, it's 1995 for a, a much subscription. So, uh, well worth it, yeah. Feel free to mosey on over. It's, it's necessary for people like me who need to know block percentage. So, anyway. Ken, <laughs> thanks again. Uh, so long. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right. That's Ken Palm. Good conversation. We're two for two, gentlemen. We're going to move on to more content, though. Any other Ken Palm thoughts? Uh, I will say, I'll give a... I love to use his fan match um, feature on his, on his website, and it shows you the upcoming games, and it shows you a prediction. And I feel like people, many more people, the the big they, big gambling is taking his uh, predictions into effect because mm. his predictions now, man, almost he needs always to get a patent for line. that. Yeah, can he patent that in some manner? Yeah. Come on, Mike. Actually, actually, actually if you look expert? on his website, it is Fan Match TM. Oh, so it is so trademarked. It's trademarked. Oh, good, Whoa. good. So apparently, good you can him. you can patent uh, genius ideas. So that's good. That's Listen, good. the worst thing that could happen for us is for the casinos to somehow grab a hold of Kim Palm. No, they factor it all in. It's all factored. I in. know, but that's not my point. Okay. Okay, that's not my point. The I mean, fact. Who- Who's to say that Ken Palm is not the man behind the curtain already? Right. I mean, he probably is the guy that sets all the lines, and we just don't know about it. I mean, you you just talked to the Wizard of Oz, but we. Who well, don't knew? you think we see some consistency though? We would see exact consistency, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So uh, yeah, Ken, we're not there yet. So, Ken, if anything, he's a man of consistency. I trust him, and until they go exactly what he says, we have an advantage, everybody. Okay, so we might not have many more years of this. I know it's it's such a gift. Anyway, all right, we're going to go into ACC superlatives now because we we are going to preview every game coming up this weekend because college basketball is about to start. This is the final preview episode we have. We're going to be able to talk about games next episode. However, this time next week we're going to have answers to a lot of questions. Yes, as you and I see, mean that in every Duke, sense of the word. Yeah, when you see Duke that, winning by 50 against yeah, Marist, that, you're really going to know what's up. The first <laughs> games of the year are always a slot fest. There might be one or two exceptions this year for ACC teams. Which we'll highlight, I think, we will. here in the upcoming So stay show. tuned. Yeah. But we're going to go to ACC superlatives, and we're going to 
take plenty of liberties with these superlatives, we are going to give each of our first teams, okay? And I'm not going to deviate too far from what the media said because I think they're pretty much on target. Maybe give or take one or two players, maybe one. But we're also going to give just random superlatives. Like, Taylor has one for the Cookie Monster of the Year. And who's that going to be, Taylor? Oh, BJ Anya. All right, yeah. I'm a huge BJ Anya fan. He's like... <laughs> not even... It's it's disrespectful he's like to say minus Cookie a Monster thousand. of the Year. He's like minus 1,000 for that. Right. Kennedy Meeks is like a plus 700, right? He's 71. If, if I picked my team, if we're, you know, selecting our... You know, you're at the playground, you're at recess in middle school, and you're picking your team... My first two picks are Kennedy Meeks and BJ Anya. That's okay because you don't like winning. Mike and I like winning. That's my point guard and my shooting guard. That's the point guard and the shooting guard on my team. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk. uh, Undefeated. Let's let the winners have the floor. Mike, go ahead. Do you want to give your team first? Yeah, sure, sure. I'll give my – so now this is my preseason all-ACC team. Now, hold up. Can I I make one comment before you start? Wow, you invited me to start, and now you're going to make a comment. Go for it. Go for it. Because it just came to me, all right? Okay, give it to me. Um, Last year – you had a lot of interesting players you loved. Yes. One of them is on Notre Dame. I think he's going to end up on your first team. I think he is. Oh, yeah, he might. He might. I think, no. I, I'm not going to say his name, but I think he might. I, I will say, you know, I'm actually going to put it out there now. There are no Notre Dame players on my first team. Well, that's team. a shame because I love VJ Beecham, but um, shout out to the South Bend listeners. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he, he is on my second team, though, which I won't um, mention here great. today. Congratulations. Give something for people to look forward to. But um, okay, so here it is. Here it is. Let's just put it out there. All right, my first team, all ACC. Uh, you can't make one of these teams apparently without having Grayson Allen on there. Uh, he, <laughs> we'll he see about excellent. that. He's an excellent basketball player. We'll see he, about the only that. thing you worry about is whether or not he's going to get hurt and uh, not be able to complete the season. Uh, but I, I still I like him. He's on there. Uh, the rest of my team looks like this. Okay, so please feel free to comment like I know you all will. Uh, I have Joel Berry there. I have Dwayne Bacon there. I have Jamel Artis there. And then to round out the team, I have your ACC Player of the Year, Tyler Lydon. He is the, the truth. The truth. There's no T. There's no H. It's the truth. Uh, Tyler Lydon. Um, my sixth man of the year, Austin Nichols. He's also going to be defensive player Wait, of the year. You are such a hipster. You know that? There it is. You are <laughs> such a hipster. All right. You didn't You didn't put the best player in the league on the team, so say, we're going to move straight. on. I, I mean, just no, can we no delete Blossom that? Game. Can we edit that? No Blossom game. Can we edit that out? No game for Blossom game this year. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's going to average at least 20. Three, right? Right. Taylor and I agree on He's this. He's going to get his looks, for sure. I'm telling you. Wait, recap your team one more time. Here we go, one so more I can, time. So I, I can realize I'm in reality, okay? <laughs> All right, here we go. Grayson Allen, Joel Berry, Dwayne Bacon, Jamel Artis, okay? Going to be a phenomenal player. Jamel Artis, that's strong. Yeah, he is running wow. the point this year wow, for Pitt. Gosh. He's going to be a revelation. And then my boy, Tyler Lydon, player of the year in the ACC. But you and I both had Pitt at number like nine or ten this year, right? Uh, no, no, I had I had Pitt pretty high. No, you didn't. No, I did. I did. We're going to check the, check the tape on yeah, this, Yeah, check okay? the tape. Check, I have you like I, seven or eight. You and I do have a Pitt bet, but it's just that they're better than Wake Forest. Yes, that's That's the banquet correct. bet. Historically, Mike has always been a huge fan of artists. He's always appreciated Yeah, artists, I like artists and Young. I think they have great chemistry together. I think what you're going to see this year with Jamel Artis is, is going to be incredible. He's going to be a 6'9 point guard in the ACC. I think he's going to play incredibly well. He's actually only like six seven, but still, regardless. I thought you said he was going to average six and nine. I'm like, those are not all existing numbers, my friend. <laughs> no, anyway. he's going to average fifteen and nine. Okay. <laughs> all right. We're just going to leave that. We We're just going to leave that as it is. The ACC leader, by the way, in assists last year was five assists per game. <laughs> and who was that? Uh, that was London Perantes. Obviously. Yeah. And you don't have him on the team. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to make clear that for our purposes, we are not limited by uh, positional constraints. So we don't have to pick one of every position. So you're going to go with five chunky big men, right? right. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's. It sounds like his prison description. <laughs> if, you, if you read Taylor's MySpace. Uh, here we go. Okay, Blossom Game, number okay. one, which mm-hmm. I think is a, a big oversight there from you, Mike. Um, yeah, Mike's off his rocker. Perantes. I think London Perantes will definitely be on there. I think Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, I like I, it. I have been, I've been converted. I'm a believer now. I think, really think that he's going to be awesome. Um, I'll go with Tyler Lydon for sure. I'm really, I'm in on Tyler Lydon. I think he's going to be amazing. And then, you know, instead of Grayson Allen, I think that you're going to get a Duke player on there, but I think it's going to be Jason Tatum. I think he's wow. going to be 
the most he's he's going to be the guy he's going to turn into being the most talented guy on that duke team and you're going to see him as a first team all acc player wow yeah that's that's what i'm struggling with right now as i make this team up on the spot because i have not thought about it but there's going to be a duke player on the team you just have to think about who it's going to be grayson allen's not the best player on that team i'm sorry and if anything i think he is the achilles heel of this team Mm-hmm. If I'm an opposing team, I want Grayson Allen shooting a ton. I want his usage rate up high. I don't want Harry Giles to touch the ball. I don't want Jason Tatum to be involved. I don't want Luke Kennard shooting wide open threes. I want Grayson Allen driving and trying to create stuff and doing pull-up runners. That's what I want if I'm an opposing coach. I'll live with that. I just want to say I think that's – I but think you are going too far in the opposite direction. There's going to be a Duke player on this team. So I have to pick somebody, right? Yes. I have to pick a Duke player. Yes, you do. It's a requirement for all first team AC, now, first all ACC teams. Are we judging just from the ACC calendar, or are we factoring in non-conference? Because that's I factor in the non-conference. I mean, it's well, I'm I like Harry Giles, so that I mean he's not going to play the non-conference. Yeah, so what do I do? I don't know. I don't know how much he's going to play at all. But I agree, he is the most exciting player in the ACC this year. Yeah. Let's not factor in the non-conference. Can we do that? <laughs> sure, sure. We're not the media. I have Harry Giles on my first team, okay? <laughs> okay Can right. we start with that? All right, Most yeah. exciting ACC player. He Harry, is. Harry oh, Giles is on my first I mean, team, okay? I mean, have you even seen BJ Anya play? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Giles can pick off a $20 bill from the top of the backboard, okay? he When, when Spike Lee made He Got Game, he was just 15 years early. All right? This is the man he should have been talking about. Not not Bushy Giles, not slightly trim Giles, Harry Giles. This is the man, the myth, the legend. I got it. I that, got that joke. That made me laugh too. <laughs> I'll continue down my list. I have Jaron Blossom Game, formerly known as Jaron Blossom Game, the artist formerly known as Jaron. If you listen to the preseason teaser, which gosh, I hope you didn't listen to. Anyway, I have him on my first team, and I think that is a lock. A lock, Mike Jaffe. Yeah, okay. I think he's a likely uh Player of the year in the ACC. He's he, people like to pick him as the ACC Player of the Year. Listen, Mike, I don't know when you turned into a hot take <laughs> type of a podcaster, but it needs to stop today. Yeah, I was look, I was way in front on the Clemson because thing. you were praising Clemson as a top four team in your little preseason teaser, which I was not a part of. Right, and now you don't even have Blossom Game on your first team. Yeah, uh, and, and you, but you just told Ken that you liked Clemson. I do like Clemson. So nothing you say makes sense. You're, right you're now. worried about my consistency. I mean, I, I'm I, worried. I'm I still, th- I, I think Clemson's. You had a banner year, now you're trying to arts, outsmart yourself. <laughs> In year two, you're trying to outsmart yourself. You're right. Sometimes I do get into that where I start to think too much, uh, but I, I just don't like him this year. I, it's okay. instinct. Uh, it's okay. instinct. I have Dennis Smith Jr. on my first team. Excellent. So that's three. Mm-hmm. I've got two to go. Yep. So I went with the the ones I'm pretty sure with. I mean, take your time. All right, okay. Don't give it away all at once. <laughs> North Carolina, I, I'm tempted to say Hicks. I want to say Hicks, but I'm just going to go with Joel Berry because he's, he's going to shoot a lot and he's going to do stuff. And have you seen him? Oh, he he's he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. He's attacking. He looks he's like not he's just, 30. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like old man faces uh-huh. on, on like young bodies. Too. Just put me down for that. That's also on my MySpace description of myself. And um. <laughs> for Virginia, I'm, I'm going to go off the beaten trail a little bit and go Austin Nichols. Okay. I think Parentes is a marked man, but I think he's smart enough not to try to get his and try to get his numbers. I think he wants the team to win, and I think that he's going to use his pieces mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who's going to, like, Nichols gets his points, and numbers really drive your preseason all-ACC team, and I just I don't see anybody checking him in the league. Right. Like, who are the best big men in the league right now who are going to check Austin Nichols, besides from Giles, who I already have on my first team? Right. right? And besides B.J. Anya, the 10th tenth, tenth leader, Stop. what is he, 10th all-time in the ACC in block shots? First all-time in weight gain between junior and senior year. <laughs> yeah, besides from Giles, uh, you can trust in Hicks, and, but I, I like Nichols more than Hicks. I'm sorry. Okay. That's where right. I stand. Yeah, I mean, I think Nichols is an amazing player. I would say if Jakiri was still in the ACC, maybe that's the only guy that could guard him, right. um, but he's not. So, yeah, I think that Austin Nichols is in for a incredible year. I like him as a six-man of the year, not his first team, first all-ACC. Nichols' mid-range jumper is the only thing I'm a little bit curious about. A little bit curious about that. Yeah. 
I don't yeah. see Bennett letting him shoot a lot of those just yeah. metric-wise. You don't well, want to be taking that shot. If it that's it your... depends on how he showed in the offseason because he let Mike Scott take everything he wanted, and that was a smart decision because Mike Scott was the best mid-range big man shooter we've had in I don't know how many years mm-hmm. since Jamison, right? Can we go back to Antoine yeah. Oh, Antoine? A sweet touch Antoine? We can stay right? there all day, yeah. I mean, I don't want to bring up Serge Zwicker again, but if we're talking about baseline oh. jumpers— I mean, Zwicker good, was a, a baseline hook shot man. He was not a baseline right. jumper. He I'm was what, a baseline hook shot maker. I'm glad that you've given me this task. I'm now going to make a 15 minute compilation video set to, you know, some recent Chris Brown release of Serge Zwicker just taking 15 foot baseline See, Mike, shots. I know how you're thinking. <laughs> anyway, so th- those are our first teams. Let's recap real quick. Run down yours. All right. I'm going Grayson Allen. I'm going Joel Berry. I'm going Tyler Lydon, Dwayne Bacon, and Jamel Artis. Wrong on artist. Okay, Taylor. <laughs> Blossom Game, Perantes, Dennis Smith Jr., Jason Tatum, excuse me, and Tyler Lydon. All right. I already forgot my team, but I'm going to try to remember and <laughs> try to go as quickly as possible. I like Harry Giles. I like Jerron Blossom Game. I like Dennis Smith Jr. I like Austin Nichols. And I like, did I say Joel Berry? Yes, you did. You did. And I complimented you for saying it. So if you want to take it back, then that's We're done. Right. All right. Cool. I'll make the block Next now. topic. Next topic. All right, we're going to take a look at a couple non-conference games right before we sink into the uh, the ACC games. Because there are some good ones to watch for in the opener. for, And we'll start with Kansas-Indiana. That's probably the marquee matchup of the openers, right? Can yeah, we agree on that? Right, right. Easy. And uh, I'll just lay out quickly the line. Go ahead. Kansas is minus five or expected to be minus five, uh, five-point favorites against the talented Indiana Hoosiers. Where are they playing? Uh, they're being play- they are playing in Honolulu. That's important. It is. It is. You know, people can get lost in paradise. Yeah, Armed that's right. Classic happened to Villanova last year when yeah. they were playing Oklahoma. Well, that was in a warehouse. That doesn't count. Okay, that's why people are struggling Castle Coliseum. Anyway, um, that's too low, right? That hurts. Kansas yeah. by five is too low. <sighs> I mean, I, I just I tell think, me uh, why. Tell me why. Tell me who Kansas is this year. I think Kansas has. Too much returning. Indiana is going to depend too much on newcomers. I like, you know, Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, Landon Lucas, those guys coming back for Kansas. I think they're just going to be a little more steady, a little more able to handle this game. Also, I like them even giving the points against Indiana. When's the last time Indiana pulled off like a big upset outside of Assembly Hall? Unless I'm really forgetting something last year. Mm -hmm. Right? Right, right. Well, I, I know they beat some good Big Ten team on the road last year, but the Big Ten had a down year last year. Right? Can yes, we agree? absolutely. I know they beat some Big Ten, I don't know, upper echelon hierarchy team. So congratulations, Indiana people who are not listening to the podcast. But <laughs> I don't trust that team away from Assembly Hall. I like them at, at the at the home base. But I don't know if I like them in Honolulu. But at the same time, can you really trust Kansas? If we've learned one thing over five years, can you trust Kansas? The Never. answer is no. Never. Never. Really? No, I can I can never trust them. They win the Big Twelve every single year. They also got They're annihilated solid. by the the Super Kentucky team who got bounced by Wisconsin and the uh, the buzz cuts in the Final Four. Yep, remember yep. that? They got annihilated in Game Two or Game Yeah Game Two or Three, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think it was the third game. Right, let's just let's know. cut to the chase here. I like Kansas even with Indiana. You got you got to really like James Blackman Jr. What he's going to bring to it. I I think it's going to be Kansas. I like that Kansas has returners. Okay. I like that they have returners. I'm going to take Indiana plus five because, uh, well, um, for a f- number of things, but mostly because their star player's name is OG. He's an OG. Yeah. He will continue to be an OG. Solid analysis. I'll take Kansas. Next game. All right. Next game we have up uh, for a big opening night on Friday is Arizona as a minus two favorite against Michigan State. Who do you guys like? I'm going to go with Arizona here just on a solely based off of I think Michigan State always peaks later on. This is going to be part of their gauntlet, their non-conference gauntlet that they run. They kind of beat themselves up in preparation for a a tournament run. Mm. Um, That's fair. I think Arizona's recruits – Versus Michigan State's recruits, I'll take Arizona. All right. Luke, what about you? I think Michigan State can be surprising really early on in the season. We've seen it last year. We saw them upset Kansas last year Yep, in an early game. So I'm All taking right. Michigan State. All right. I like that. Going with Izzo. All right. Um, I'm going to stick with my first name trend. 
Uh, we got a man named Kobe Simmons, who is going to turn heads there in the Pac-12 this year, uh, freshman in for Arizona. Um, I really like him. I think that uh, there's a lot of hype around this Arizona team, and I think we're going to start to see why on Friday night. I like Arizona minus two. Game is neutral site, correct? Correct. Also in Honolulu. I feel so much better. Yep. Okay, let's transition to the ACC slate in opening weekend. Yeah, let's look at Clemson and Georgia. I think this is going to be a really competitive game, actually. Ooh, uh, exciting. Yeah. I also exciting. love how you say Clemson. <laughs> You're not alone, though. I know 15 people who say Clemson. Wait, how are you supposed to say yeah. Clemson? What's the difference? They're not Zen masters. Then It's not Clemson. Yeah. It's Clemson. I love you, Taylor. I'm just messing with you. Whatever. I know. <laughs> okay, so Georgia and Clemson. Uh, Clemson and Georgia. Clemson and Georgia. So much better. Um Last year they played and Georgia just demolished Clemson. And yes, this year they did. it'll be the first game in Little John, a true home game for Clemson after they were, you know, kind of out for renovations Hold last up. year. I feel like Greenville was a fortress though. It was great for them. It was amazing for them. It was a fortress. Yeah. There's no way they replicate that at Little John this year. That's I don't my know. hot take of the year. Okay. <laughs> no way that happens. I hope they How many teams beat them in Greenville? It was like Virginia and I think they North only had Carolina, two right? losses. Two losses. Yeah, yeah, Virginia, North Carolina, right? Yeah. Well, Somebody like that. It's a whole new ball game. Little John Coliseum. Anyways, I think that this is an, a really important game for both these teams because it's a big out-of-conference win for them to start off the season. And not to mention you kind of have a regional ri- rivalry going on there. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. And, jo- and let me say before you kind of get started, the the line that we're predicting for the game is Clemson minus eight. Now we're going off of KenPalm.com's uh, early projection of what the game will be. The lines are not yet out, uh, but usually these numbers are pretty close. So right now we're projecting a Clemson line of minus eight. Right. And so Georgia has lost from last year two of their big scorers, two of their top four leading scorers and top minutes guys in Charles Mann and Kenny Gaines. Yeah, Kenny Gaines, who went off last year. I mean, had uh, 17 points. He was uh, three of six from three. Really dominated the game in the latter parts of the first half, which is where the game got away from Clemson. Right. And so this year they're going to rely. They're going to rely mainly on JJ Frazier, who kind of does everything for them. He's kind of sure. a jack of all trades. He's a great player. Um, he'll be a senior this year. And then uh, Yante Matten, who is a junior. He's six eight. Um, weighing in in like 240. He, all accounts in the exhibition games, he has really been one of their huge go-to guys. I mean, he's 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 going to average between 15 and 20 points a game this year. He's really going to be a big force for them. I expect to see a lot there. They play traditionally a slower game. Georgia's going to try and slow the pace down, which I see matching up similarly to Clemson, who also will often slow the pace down. I think that you'll see it be a close game, and I really see Georgia closing that eight-point gap. I I think Georgia plus eight is the play here. Okay, first of all, Clemson's other home loss came to Notre Dame. I just had to put that out there so the South Bend people are will stop tearing out their hair. Congratulations. <laughs> it wasn't North Carolina. They played North Carolina once, and it was at the Ding Dong, and uh, they lost that game. But Notre Dame was the Nobody other wins at the Ding Dong. Nobody wins at the Ding That's Dong. That's not true. Uh, I've been to the Ding Dong. Uh, it, it's not a house of horrors, trust me. Yeah. Like Their fans, are they're, they're very nice, they're polite, but they're elderly. Um, <laughs> so, so wise. they lost, they lost to Notre Dame at home last year at, in Greenville and Virginia. Those were the two ACC losses at Greenville. We're not going to track back to the non-conference cause like South Carolina beat them. I remember watching that game with Guthrie and like Guthrie was on Clemson that game. And I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story because it got really dark really quick. <laughs> but, um, second of all for Clemson, don't we believe that alpha dogs should be valued in game ones, right? You would think. You would think that Blossom like, games are going to come out you, When's the last time you saw like a, a role player really step up and like dominate a game in game one, right? right, right no, right, rely on right. your alpha dog. That's why I like Clemson here Okay, to cover. All right. Um, you I think know. eight points is asking a lot, and I think that Georgia's defense is going to do enough uh, to shut down the other options there. And losing... Uh, Noko for Clemson is is losing a big interior presence. Landry. Yeah, but and at I the think same they're time- gonna they're gonna. I think Georgia's gonna be able to get inside on them 
and and pound it a little bit. Look, I, at, the, I, at the same time, which defense can we predict to be more advanced at this stage of the season? A Brownell defense, which he probably devotes, I don't know, 75% of his offseason time to, or right. the preseason, or his October, or the Georgia defense. Right. right? I, I would say Taylor's bet here is almost geared towards a— Average length of possession bet, a pace of play bet. He sees both teams playing relatively slowly, seeing that eight-point gap uh, being hard for Clemson to cover. Um, I think one of the things that it's I not, see— It's not going to be an up-and-down game. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. That's I, how see, I see it. I, yeah. I think Clemson changes the way they play a little bit. And I saw it towards the end of last year. I saw it when they were being successful in early ACC play. I think they try to ratchet it up a little bit offensively. I think they play with more pace this year. I like them to cover in this game. I do too. And back to that point, I think Brad is pounding into them. Defend, defend, defend. We're going to get this set. And, you know, on the other end, Jerron, have fun. Go -hmm. for it. Yeah. And uh, it'll it'll sort itself out, at least in the non-conference. In ACC play, that's where I think they'll run into some trouble with that strategy because I don't think that strategy will bode against ACC defenses. But for now, in the non-conference, I like it. I like it against Georgia. I'm with with Mike here. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor Taylor likes Georgia plus eight. We like Clemson minus eight. And the game is, once again, at Little John. If this game was in Greenville, it would be a lock. But since it's in Little John, yeah. Yeah. Next game, what what else do we have on tap? So I think the another really competitive game you're going to see in opening weekend, which is nice, is um, Pitt and Eastern Michigan. And um, looking at Eastern Michigan, they return a lot of guys last year's team. Yeah, I re- if I'm, and they're starting uh, five seniors this year, if I if I recall correctly. They're only losing one guy who played significant minutes last year, mm-hmm. and um, they're going to have a lot of good shooting, a lot of good three point shooting, which is really important. And um, I think they could really do some damage. Now, last year, I'll say they only shot, as a team, 31% from three. They, that ranks as 307th that's not in good. all of college basketball. That's not good so at that, all. So that not, that's not what you want um, you know, from, from a team that's going to rely on shooting the ball uh, from deep. That being said, you, know, you don't really see them coming in and being intimidated as a group of seniors. Uh, I think they're, they're going to be overwhelmed in, against this talented pit team. I think what you're going to see is uh, Jamel Artis uh, making his first claims towards uh, first team All ACC, I could see twenty five points and ten assists for for my man. Uh, he he should overmatch his counterparts in this game. Here's what I'm going to say about this game, okay? Okay, it's Kevin Stallings' first game at Pitt. Yes, right. I like Kevin Stallings more than Jamie Dixon. <laughs> yeah. I miss Jamie's hair though. I'm he does mi- really. I'm in the minority there. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. In the minority there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you actually this Wikipedia, is not throwing shade on Jamie Dixon because right. I think he's a fantastic coach. If you Wikipedia uh, Pittsburgh Panthers men's basketball head coach, it still says Jamie Dixon. Really? So somebody needs to go in and change that. Hmm. Listeners, that's rough. I look Kevin nine points. Eh? Kevin Stallings, for those of you that don't know, former coach of Vanderbilt, um, ran one of the most efficient defenses in the country last year, according to Ken Palm's rankings, number two in effective field goal percentage defense. Well, Jamie I, was a defensive guy too. Right, so. right. I think, you know, I don't really – I didn't see him in that way, Jamie Dixon, towards the end of his career in Pitt. Uh, you know, I think that what what Kevin Stallings should be able to bring to Pitt is a organization of their defense down low, which is where they really broke down last year. You know, when Michael Young was playing down low against oh, the ACC's biggest go. and best centers – he totally fell apart and was unable to defend. I think what Vanderbilt's going to be able to do, is, or I'm sorry, what Kevin Sawyers is going to be able to do after coming from Vanderbilt is readjust the way that they act defensively and allow people to score inside. Um, so and that's why I'm excited about Pitt. I think that they're they're really going to have a great year this year. That being said, Eastern Michigan is an excellent team, um, one that will win the turn or win their uh, regional tournament and should make the tournament this year. Uh, the big dance, uh, but they will not cover. I think you're going to see Eastern Michigan getting to the line a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to see them drawing some fouls, especially in the early part of the season where the refs are really trying to enforce uh, you know, the restriction of movement rules, everything, the same thing we saw last year. Right. I think Eastern Michigan has been a great team traditionally getting to the line. And when I say traditionally, I mean last couple of years, and it's – a very similar lineup. I think they're going to get to the line, get some points off the free throws. 
force Pitt into making some difficult decisions with their rotation. And I, th- I think I just think nine points is too much for Pitt to cover. Well, first that. of all, I think this is a stay away, like a stay away game. But if I had to choose, you know, Taylor convinced me. I think I'm with Taylor in this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I no! I, I mean, people I have made worse decisions in their life than betting against Kevin Stallings. Okay, and I know that's that hurts. It's a new that system. It is a new system. All right, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some, a learning curve, right? Can we right. agree about that? Yeah. But you believe in the artist formerly known as Jamel Artist? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I think that he'll dominate the game. Um, but you're right. Nine points is a lot of points, and what I expect to be a relatively slower, relatively slow game. The home court could push them above nine, though. That's the only thing I'm saying. That's why I think this game is a stay away. Okay. I'm with you on that. Okay, good. Great game to watch. Yeah, if I if I were forced to pick a team, I would still pick Pitt at minus nine, but that's me. Next game, what do we have? Virginia and UNC Greensboro. Interesting game, all right? Okay. So UNCG <laughs> last year wasn't great. No, 14 and 18? Was that yeah. the record? Okay. There's a lot of love for UNCG this year. Uh, I'm no. not quite seeing it, mm-hmm. but it's out there. Okay. And you can just ask anybody in this town. Yeah. It's out there. Right. You know, people are concerned a little bit. For Virginia, they're going to be missing Austin Nichols, and they're also going to be missing Mamadi Diakite due to suspension, one of which was uh, an NCAA. I don't even know how to explain it. I don't think anybody in the beat knows how to explain it. Okay. So those are two bigs down, right? Mm-hmm. We still don't know if Jay Huff is going to be redshirting or not. I don't think he should because he's an NBA prospect, and I don't think NBA prospects stay around for five years in school. So that's my case to why I don't think he's going to redshirt, but who knows? He might. Mm-hmm. If Jay Huff plays, I love Virginia here. If not, then you're going with Jack Salt, Jared Reuter, and Isaiah Wilkins, or you're going small ball, which Tony Bennett can easily do. Right? Right, right. I still think that's enough. To to bring it home against the great— Can I tell you something else? About UNC UNC, can I tell you something else about Virginia? No, I don't know. I'm not a UNCG savant, and I'm not <laughs> pretending to be. Like, I know they beat Chattanooga. They blew out Chattanooga last year, and they had a close game with them at home, and they lost. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to Virginia. Their defense is more accelerated than I expected at this point of the year, just from rumors and watching a little bit of the scrimmages. So I think that's going to give UNCG some trouble. But they are playing at home, and that's a lot of points. 12 is a lot. I could see this game being Virginia by 15-ish in the final couple minutes, and then, you know, let's throw in whoever. Yeah, I mean, and right now the line is predicted to be uh, 12 points right now, or UVA uh, minus 12 favorites. So, yeah, I mean, if you're telling me it's going to be a 15-point game with five minutes left, that's not the kind of sweat I want. I Uh, I don't want that either. Yeah. And at the same time, we can track back to last year when Virginia was supposed to be the juggernaut or one of the two in the ACC, right? There were two teams last year who we knew we could, that team is fantastic, they're going to win. And then against GW, they lost on the road in game two. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that was a good GW team they lost to, but still. Was uh, it? Yeah. Was yeah, it really? Absolutely. Yeah. They didn't yeah. make the tournament. They should have. They should have no, gone in instead have. of Syracuse. No, they shouldn't have. <laughs> no. They, they wow. Were, no, they were next, next to four out. Yeah, yeah. They not were, like they last four out. They were not next four out. They were like next, next four at, out. Right? <laughs> at that point in the year, though, they were, they became a top 25 team two weeks after beating UVA. They they were playing very well at the time. Some injuries hurt them later. And now Lonergan no longer t- coaches there, so that's another story for another time. Mm. But yeah. All right. Well, anyways, what what do you think? If you you know guns to your head, you're taking and you're looking at UVA minus twelve. What are you going to do? Hmm. I just don't see it. UNC Greensboro. I mean, I, I just I, I don't I, see that I'm enough. I, I don't see enough that normally that team would you have, give me a double digit line. I would love it, but I don't see enough here. Like those players are going to have to improve that much. It's a 12-point line, and they won 14 games last year. Mm-hmm. And this Virginia team will be highly motivated. And I'm not saying last year's team wasn't highly motivated out of the gates, but maybe they thought they could show up in any game and win. But I don't think this UVA team is built that way because they have young players. Dollars to donuts, I'd take Virginia. but oh, I love when you say dollars to donuts. Okay, I haven't heard that phrase in over a year, and it makes me so happy. So you're going, you're going Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Go UVA. Listen, too. we don't have any consensus picks on this this week, okay? Okay. We don't. Okay. We're in agreement about that because we have our imaginary kitty, right? Yes. And we're not going to put any in play this week, right? Correct. 
Okay, I agree with that. Until I steal the kitty and bet everything on the next game I'm about to talk okay. about. Okay, Chattanooga, right? <laughs> yeah, Chattanooga. Oh, let's, let's talk about UNC versus Chattanooga, okay? This game will be a week from today. Actually, we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, so this will be next Sunday, uh, the 13th of November. So what you do is you go home and you take a, your calendar out that I'm sure you still have in print form. You take a big red marker and you circle the date and you say, this is the day that I'm betting all the money I have in my account on this one game. And it's going to be amazing. So this is uh, UNC. If betting was legal. Right, right, right. Of no, course, I'm assuming if. all of our listeners live in Las Vegas, Nevada. And if and not, you're breaking the law. Okay? We've seen so the metrics. It is a large portion of our listening audience. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, um, anyways, uh, look, I, I, I don't like North Carolina as much as everyone else this year. I think that they're going to have quite a few uh, stumbles. Um, mm. I, I think that they're relatively thin. Um, I, I don't like. I don't really like where Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks are at this point in the season. Um, Who did and, you pick second in the conference? Louisville. Okay. Oh yeah. That's I right. picked North Carolina third. <laughs> well, um, but but yes. Yeah, so well, I, that's not much of a drop off from what the consensus is. The consensus is two to three. Right. So right. maybe you do like them. Yeah, I just I don't like them overall. Let me say that. I think within the ACC, I still think they'll finish very well. I don't I don't like them overall. Um, so, but really, it's mostly about this Chattanooga team and. You know, I think that they have a lot going for them. I think that they've already been highlighted in different articles as kind of one of those mid-majors to watch. And Last year, um, if you were following me on the Twitter feed, you actually saw me bet a hefty amount on them to beat uh, or to cover against Indiana. Um, they they mm. played them in the first round of the tournament last year, and they got completely rolled in the first round. That was a hipster pick by Mike. Oh, yeah, it was. Trying to be a little hipster there. Yeah, yeah. I, I applaud that. And Every time you efforts. say hipster, I just we translate it to insiders. <laughs> and insiders. And in case you're wondering, they do serve Bloody Marys at the Westgate at 9 a.m. That may have influenced the Chattanooga pick, but I was Wait, I was also. So I'm assuming them. you made the pick before you got your Bloody Mary, right? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I'm, because that's fuel. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's I mean, breakfast. I, I'm a uh, I'm an instinct guy. I mean, that that may come as a surprise to you guys. I mean, I mean I'm not all numbers. Uh, I I also like to go off of instinct, go off of my heart. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mostly, the reason I like Chattanooga is because of their efficiency and their ability to control the ball on offense. Um, I think that they are a team last year. They beat Georgia, for instance, on the road. Um, they beat Dayton on the road last year. I mean, this but you is, loved. You yeah, loved Dayton. I did love Dayton. You had, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, and they also have the ability to rebound the basketball at an incredibly high rate. And they have so many people coming back this year. Um, last year they got a little short change. You know, Casey Jones was their leading scorer, went down with a significant uh, ankle injury last year, missed the uh, remaining balance of the year. Um, this year they're returning all five of their top five scores. You know, I think that they're going to be able to wear Joel Berry down at the point. Um, I also think that they're going to be able to work Nate Britt. Uh, you know, I just I like them to be able to create offense, and I think given their pace of play, the fact that they make people draw out possessions defensively, I think they're a great uh, man defensive team. I I really like them in this game against North Carolina. The projected line is 17 points. North Carolina mm. playing at home. Interesting. I really really like Chattanooga. I could see that line going down to 13 or 14. No way. I, I would take them if it were an eight point. Listen, I the, mean, pub- that's how the much public I like is them. not eight points. Public eight is points. not in your in your realm, Mike. They're not. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe you're right. Couple things, okay. Here's a conclusion I've come to recently. I'm not a Bloody Mary guy. <laughs> I can't do it. I've tried my hardest. I might get up and walk away right now. I've tried you. my hardest to do it in social settings. I've tried hot sauce. I've tried mm-hmm. everything. Do you like olives? Thro- throw in four celery sticks. <laughs> throw in your black olives, your regular olives, your jalapenos. I just can't do it. Okay. And I've come to terms with that. What and is it's this? better let's, than me trying. Let's drill down. My, what is this? And having my Bloody Mary that I get from some random place and wasting it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever finished a Bloody Mary in my life. Man. I'll drink it like four, five, six sips, and then I'm done. Right. So I've accepted that at age 27, and I'm moving on. Secondly, it's hard for me to go against Blue Bloods at home in openers. Okay. I'm trying to think of the last time a Blue Blood had a really close call at home in an opener. You know? It's been a while. It's been a while. I mean, I don't have the numbers to back it up, but I'm just judging from memory. If I'm looking at highlights, like mm-hmm. the few college highlights they show 
on the major networks. Oh, it's unbelievable. You can't even in the college networks. You can't even get like a real yeah, but college if, basketball. Okay, all right. That's so unbe- next right, weekend, if they're going to show highlights of any teams, who are, who are they going to be? They're going to be Duke and they're going to be North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. That's who it's going to be. And I, be Josh Jackson. And you know what? They're going to shun Villanova, your national champions. They're not going to show Villanova highlights because they're they're dumb and they're idiotic. <laughs> all right. You're angry. I like this. Yeah, and I know. Wow. And then they're not going to show Oregon because they're West Coast. That's a story for another day. Yeah. But they're not going to show Oregon and Villanova Highlands. They're going to show the Blue Bloods, which are the four teams I just mentioned, blowing teams out. And they're going to show the alley-oops and the big-time dunks. And that's what I feel like that happens every year. Yeah. Am I wrong? I know. I think you're right. And looking that's back- why it's hard. I mean, you make a great case, like a logical case, but my, my gut is just saying that generally doesn't turn out. Yeah, the only time that North Carolina's had a any game within 10 points um, in the past 10 years was actually in 2008 against Davidson. Was the, that a Darty team? That, no. I, I, no, that's no, Roy. That's still that Roy. Still Roy. Um, yeah. And I believe Roy's that been was, there for like a decade now. Yeah, and I believe that 2008 team was led by one little man named Steph Curry. Um, so mm. I'm... He, I, I hear you. There is no there is no one on the uh, Chattanooga team that I think will turn into Steph Curry. No. And maybe that's the only way you get within 10 points of North Carolina at home in an opener. But I still I just like worry Chattanooga. About openers. I, I, just, I, I worry I about openers. But I'm on, you know, if it's at 15, if it's at 17, if it's at 13 or 14, I'm still going Chattanooga. If all it goes day. to 18, I'm with you, right? Okay. All right. Deal. Could this be? Wait, Taylor, what would you think at 17? Hmm. It almost, it's got that feeling in the air. No. I will say, okay, so I like Chattanooga could start five seniors. I think they're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of experience on the floor, and I like that. I'm being bought over right now. I'm with you. You got me. You've I mean, hooked Mike, me. Mike has kind of won me over here. If we get in, the, in, boys. If we get in a line in the upper teens, I can definitely It's already it. there. They've, yeah. It's, if it climbs anymore. It's projected at 17. Okay. I mean, I don't think that, I think Chattanooga has... They're going to be undersized against UNC, like a lot of teams in there, you know, that mid, mid-range mid team. That's a little worrisome, but I, isn't it? But I don't think they're going to be as undersized as you might think. You okay. know, they're, they're Explain going to ha- yourself. What does that mean? Well, I think you're going to have Justin Tuyo, who's 6'10", uh, Chuck Esther, he's 6'7", Trey McLean, 6'5". Those are going to be their three rotation guys in the forward spots. Yeah, I mean, look, let me and tell they're you. Not, and that's a little undersized, but it's not like – this is this is a good defensive team. I mean, look, I, I judge defenses in the actions that they take, and and that's meaning in terms of block percentage and steal percentage. Yeah. Chattanooga last year is in the top thirty in the nation in both categories. That's great. Okay. okay. I mean, they're active. Counterpoint: Are we underestimating North Carolina's freshmen? I didn't bring this up during the preview show, <laughs> yeah. but we did not talk about North Carolina's freshmen. I think they might be a lot better than we expect. Yeah, I agree. Because all the all the spotlight is on JJ, your boy who you want to play Xbox with, and <laughs> Meeks and and Hicks in the post, right? And Joe Barry, of course. Right, right. Joe Barry has the spotlight, and then it's those the other three, and then nobody's talking about the freshmen. Yeah, I mean, Tony I mean, Bradley. I still don't buy. I I still don't buy Kenny Williams. I need to see it first mm-hmm. from him as a sophomore. Right, but. Like, their freshmen could be really good. Yeah. They could be really good. Yeah. And we're not factoring that. I don't think we factored that into the preview show. So that's my only quibble with this. Counterpoint. Are we sure North Carolina can shoot? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, that's the thing, especially losing Theo Pinson. All right, he he was their best shooter last year, I thought, from the perimeter. Losing him with the foot injury this year, I think, was really uh, – and now, also now, defensively about what Theo what Pinson was. wasn't their best shooter last year. Who was? Joe Barry, you think? Yeah. Oh, no. From three? That's yeah. A, that's all I care about. When yeah, you say shooter, three. I care about three. Three, I mean. Well, look it up. How many how many threes did Theo Pinson take? Like uh, 17 oh, for the no, year? Oh, no, that hurts. Um, okay. I mean, I don't have the stats right in front of me. Oh, I know. Or wait, do I? Um, okay, yeah, he only took 62. <laughs> <laughs> and Joel Berry took 178. There it was go. by far the better shooter. So there you that go. That being said, Theo Pinson opened the year shooting over 50%. Something happened. He got congratulations. Yeah, you know, nice non-conference no work, Theo. Yeah, uh, I will say Chattanooga is not looking to have a lot, like a lot of shooting either. Their main three-point shooter graduated, mm-hmm. and uh, they it doesn't look like three-point shooting is going to be their strong suit. Well, yeah. that's not good for me. I'm not. I I don't think the I one, can join I, you guys. I think it, I think if you're going to go with Chattanooga here, you have to count on us a a pace of play argument. Chattanooga plays a very slow game. They slow the game way down. 
Uh, Matt McCall, their head coach, that's his style. Last year they were one of the slowest teams in the NCAA. Mm -hmm. And you have to count that they're going to slow the game down enough against a UNC team that loves to run. Right. That they're that that getting up to that you know eighteen nineteen point line, whatever it happens to be, right. is going to take a so lot. So we got to wrap, wrap this up, guys. But we're faced with a dilemma with these games that we've selected. Okay. Yeah. We probably like Virginia the best considering their opposition, but they're on the road and they're down two players, and one of them is a critical player, the most important player on their team. Wrong. North Carolina. <laughs> we like their opposition a lot. But they're at home. North Carolina's at home. But their spread is large. Mm-hmm. Clemson is at Little John. That worries me, right? Mm-hmm. And what's the other game? Oh, the pick game. Pitt, the Pitt pick Eastern game. Michigan, which we wrote off as a stay away. So, so it's between the three. Who's the best pick? I still like Chattanooga. Pick of the mm. week. Plus 17 against North Carolina. Oh, this is really difficult. Three, three fifth-year starters on Chattanooga. They're not only seniors, they're fifth years. These are consensus, grown, consensus. grown men. It's tough, though. I don't want to start the year on a bad note, though. No, I don't either. You guys are cowards. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are cowards. All right, we're not going to do it. No I consensus. Think we, I think we should take Georgia plus eight against Clemson. No, we're not doing that. I think that's a good pick, too. Can I switch? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Luke and my best friend, Jaron, are going to laugh at you next week. Okay, okay all right. right. Well, I'm still with you. I'll still stick with Clemson. I'd consider I'd, I'd consider Chattanooga. Okay. Maybe consider. just me and you go if Taylor's no, unwilling. No, no. I'll go alone. We need a cons- Well, you can do that, but we need a consensus for our actual imaginary okay, all right, all right, fine, picks, fine. okay? Okay. Right, that's that's going to close us down. Any final thoughts? Oh, you mean overall for this coming week? I mean, who's not excited? Oh, I'm wait. Thrilled. One final thought. I want to issue a special congratulations to Matt Jones for getting his first career dunk, even though it was an exhibition game. Okay. Threw it down with authority. Uh, everybody was very proud of him. I want to say congratulations, <laughs> Matt Jones. Yeah. And also, college basketball starts this Let's week. Let's go. Get your popcorn ready. It's like Christmas. We're going to be talking a lot more. You know, you and I, and oh. Taylor and I, and all three of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because on the summer, I didn't even know you guys existed. I heard from you like maybe twice. Yeah, no, I didn't and think about like you at all. every day. I it's think like about you all the time day, now. Every <laughs> day, we're doing stuff. We're talking, we're texting, Yeah, we're scheming. You're back in my life. My wife thought I had a mistress, and I said, <laughs> I don't have a mistress. I have Luke Near back in my life, and it's, that makes it's good to be good. back. That makes me feel really good. She's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys. So long. We'll see you next week. We will definitely recap. We didn't make any selection, okay? We did not go out on any limbs in week one because I feel like game one, don't go out on limbs, but stay tuned. Game twos are right around the corner, and so are game threes and fours, and eventually the Blue Bloods are going to play in those Chicago-like showcase things. So we're definitely going to preview that next time.